The Delphi defendant wants an attorney. The Lori Vallow hearing is sealed before it even begins. And Casey Anthony is going to talk about her acquittal. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. Before we get to the docket, you know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Hit that little bell so that you receive notifications when we go live or put up new content. And as always, listen to us on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Now, also, let's support the people that support us. Please go to crimetalksearch.com where you can sign up for a background subscription service. You're going to want to do this for anyone that's coming into your life. You want to be able to check them out and you can do that and you can do it as many times as you want. And literally while you wait, you type in the information, a background report is generated. It's emailed to you. So you have it in your hot little hands. It's going to give you information as to whether somebody has civil judgments against them, whether they are on a registry of some type. Do they have a criminal history? We've had more people that have said, Scott, thank you for turning me on to this because I checked somebody out and it turns out they had a history that they didn't tell me about. Of course they didn't tell you about it. Why would they tell you? They don't want you to know. That's why you have to do it yourself. Go to crimetalkprep.com, get that background subscription. Remember, you can cancel at any time, but while you have it, you can search as many people as you want. crimetalksearch.com, you'll be happy you did. All right, let's go ahead and open the docket for November 9th of 2022. The man accused of murdering Delphi teens Libby German and Abby Williams has requested a public defender to represent him. Now, in a letter to the court, Richard Allen wrote the following. I'm not going to give you a summary. I'm just going to give you the exact words, and then we'll talk about it. To the Carroll County Circuit Court, and then it has a case number. In the case listed above, I, Richard M. Allen, hereby throw myself on the mercy of the court. I am begging to be provided with legal assistance and a public defender or whatever help is available. At my initial hearing on October 28th, 2022, I asked to find representation for myself. However, at the time, I had no clue how expensive it would be just to talk to someone. I also did not realize what my wife and his immediate financial situation was going to be. We have been forced to immediately abandon employment, myself due to incarceration and my wife for her personal safety. She has had to abandon our house for her own safety. What little reserve there is will fail to even maintain the original residence. Again, I throw myself on the mercy of the court. Please provide me whatever assistance you may. Thank you for your time in this most urgent matter. Well, there you go. The public defender will be appointed. I'm surprised the public defender was not there when Mr. Allen was brought into chambers for his initial appearance. Normally, in every court that I've practiced before, you show up in court, whether it's federal court, state court, they have an attorney there, let alone when you're charged with two counts of homicide. Something was weird in that regard. Maybe that's just the way they do it there in you know, that county. I don't know but I'm not a little concerned why there was no attorney for him at that time. Now, what Mr. Allen has had to figure out is that a lot of people had to figure out is that, hey, when you need legal representation, it's expensive. And unless you have a pretty good savings account, you're probably not going to be able to retain the best legal services that you think that you would necessarily be entitled to or want. So 
then there's always the backstop. It's called the public defender. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of the best attorneys I've ever seen have been public defenders. Some of the worst I've ever seen, public defenders. Just like I say, some of the worst attorneys I've ever seen have been private attorneys. Some of the best I've ever seen have been private attorneys. It just depends on each individual case. Hopefully, the public defenders will give Mr. Allen some experienced attorneys. It's going to require more than one. Most public defenders are extremely overworked, underpaid, and they lack the resources to usually delve into this. So they're going to need at least a couple of attorneys and an investigator and probably a uh, paralegal support staff at a minimum. And there's no way that this case is going to go to trial in early March as it is set for next year. There's just no way that the any attorney would be able to be up to speed to be able to do that and effectively represent Mr. Allen at that time. Now, like I said, attorneys are expensive. And apparently all the attorneys there either A, wanted nothing to do with it, or they said, hey, if I'm going to get involved in this circus, it's going to be expensive. Just keep jacking up that hourly rate. And oh, by the way, I'm going to need a retainer. They probably would request, I would imagine, a minimum of a $100,000, $200,000 retainer just to get started with the understanding it's probably going to cost a lot more. So just keep adding to that retainer. Now, Mr. Allen and his wife seem like, well, we'll give the, everybody the presumption of innocence. They appeared to be hardworking individuals. They probably didn't have a criminal defense reserve fund built up. And this letter makes him sound very humbled because what do I always say? There's two types of people in the world, ladies and gentlemen, those that are humble and those that are about to be. And you get thrown into jail, you get very humbled. I was talking to somebody today who got to spend the night in jail. Let's just say they were very humbled. It's a thing. It happens. So at least Mr. Allen's going to get some representation and we'll see how things progress from there. Continue to check back for updates and analysis. And next on the docket, the Lori Vallow matter, the hearing has been sealed before it's even been held. Now, normally what had been taking place on the Lori Vallow matter is that the judge would hold a hearing back in chambers, and then he would do some sort of perfunctory order saying, hey, I'm going to seal it. But then Lori Hellis, who we've had on this show, said, hey, judge, you're not following the law. You need to follow these particular steps to do so. And while there's a hearing set today, it'll probably take place by the time this video gets up on uh, to uh, YouTube. But the reality of it is we are not going to know because the court stated in this order signed today, but back on October 31st, the court scheduled a hearing for November 9th. And in accordance with the Idaho Criminal Administrative Rule 32, the hearing will be referencing information that is expressly exempt from public disclosure. Accordingly, the court determines that the closure of the hearing and the sealing of the record is necessary in order to protect individual privacy rights and interests and to preserve the party's right to a fair trial. And such action is no broader than necessary to protect the fundamental rights. All right, let me tell you what's going to happen without even being there, okay? We all know Lori Vallow went back to the Idaho uh, Department of Health where they're going to reevaluate her for competency. The Idaho Department uh, evaluators are going to prepare a report and they're going to give it to the judge. A copy is going to be provided to the defense and the prosecution will get a copy as well. And it's going to come down to whether they determine that she is competent or not. Now, I agree that people's medical information is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yes, there's privacy interest to it. But 
I've never been in a hearing where competency has been discussed where it's not discussed in an open courtroom. Sure, you're not going to get into, oh, we're on this particular drug. It's simply a question of, is there enough information to determine whether the person is competent to proceed or not? And if not, then the proceedings need to be stayed. If there's a hearing, I've never done a hearing in the judge's chambers. I've never done a sealed hearing as it relates to competency. It's done all the time. Only in Lori Vallow's case, only in Lori Vallow's case, is it apparently so secretive and so protective of privacy rights. You think we're not going to know whether she's competent or not, Judge? Are you kidding me? I just don't get it. We've talked about this. When things are done in secret, people lose confidence. Okay? People have lost confidence. I certainly know I am losing confidence in what is taking place in Idaho. Maybe if I knew what the heck was going on, like I could find out in just about any other criminal case, I would have some confidence. But at this point, color me skeptical. Color me skeptical indeed. Next on the docket, Casey Anthony. Does that name ring a bell? Hmm. Kind of rummaging through the old brain housing group saying, ah, Casey Anthony. Wasn't that the case? That's right. That's the one. Casey Anthony is set to give her first on-camera interview after she was acquitted of murdering her daughter back in 2011. Now, this will be the first on-camera interview surrounding the 2008 disappearance of her daughter, Kaylee, whose remains were found in a garbage bag a half mile from the family's uh, Orlando home six months after she was reported missing. Now, in this exclusive three-part documentary, Casey Anthony where the truth lies, Casey Anthony will tell her side of the story more than a decade after the alleged heinous crime that sends shockwaves across the nation and the young mother was ultimately acquitted. Now, Casey Anthony has only spoken about this case once in a non-televised 2017 interview with Associated Press. And during the interview, Ms. Anthony conceded that her reputation amongst the general public was still uh, in shambles, but she didn't care. She stated, I don't give a blank about what anyone thinks about me, she told the outlet, uh, and she never will. So based off what was in the media, she understood the reasons people feel about her because it was obviously one-sided. She said that everyone was entitled to their opinions. She also says, I didn't do what I was accused of doing, but I fought for three years and not just for me but for her daughter. Now, for those who may not recall this case, let's give you a quick recap. Now, there was a 911 call. The grandmother told dispatchers that she had not seen Kaylee for 31 days and that she had smelled a foul odor emanating from the uh, car of her daughter, as if, you know, maybe a dead body had been inside of it. Well, Cindy Anthony also revealed that Casey Anthony had given inconsistent explanations when asked about her child's whereabouts. Later, she told her mother that she had not seen her for weeks. Casey Anthony was subsequently arrested on July 16th of 2008, and she was taken to the Orange County Jail there in Florida. Now, during questioning, it was believed that Miss Anthony lied to detectives, telling them that Kaylee had been kidnapped by a nanny on June 9th and that she had been trying to find her and that she was too frazzled to tell the police. She also told the investigators that the nanny's uh, was named uh, Miss Fernandez Gonzalez. 
which, you know, that narrows that down, right? However, it was soon determined Anthony had no nanny and that the woman, an acquaintance of Miss Anthony, had never met the daughter or any other family members. Now, Miss Anthony was charged the next day with giving false statements to law enforcement, child neglect, and obstruction of a criminal investigation. She was initially denied bail by the court. Her bail was initially set at $500,000 at a bond hearing on July 22, 2008, and she was released a month later uh, when the bond was posted by the nephew of a California bail bondsman. Now, months later in October, she was indicted by a grand jury on charges of first-degree murder, aggravated child abuse, aggravated manslaughter of a child, and four counts of providing false information to police and was again arrested. All the while, cops and thousands of volunteers combed the Orange County area and greater Orlando area for the child, whose remains were eventually found in a trash bag on December 11, 2008, with more remains found in a nearby wooded area near Casey Anthony's home. Now, the remains were identified as belonging to Kaylee roughly a week later. Now, jury selection for the trial began on May 9th of 2011 and ended on May 20th, 2011. During the six-week trial, jurors were sequestered in a nearby hotel to minimize influence in the case, which uh, obviously had a lot of public attention. The 12 jurors and five alternates sat through 33 days of testimony and examined more than 400 pieces of evidence while hearing from 91 witnesses. And it was televised and had 40 million people watching at any given time. The verdict was announced on July 5th, 2011, with jurors acquitting Anthony of first-degree murder and the manslaughter and child abuse charges. The jury did find Casey Anthony guilty of four counts of providing false information to the police, and uh, charges saw that the mom had a, uh, handed a four-year prison sentence. Now, Anthony was given credit for time served for the time she'd already spent in custody and was released on July 17th of 2011, 12 days after the trial's conclusion. A month after the verdict was announced, a male juror uh, did an interview and stated that, well, basically nobody liked Casey Anthony at all. She seems like a horrible person, the juror said, but the prosecutors did not give us enough evidence to convict, which is what I've always said. Don't blame the defense attorney, blame the prosecution. If their case isn't strong enough to convict, it's not the defense. The problem lies with the prosecution. Well, Miss Anthony currently lives in South Florida at the home of Patrick McKenna. He's a 71-year-old guy. And, oh, he just happened to be the private detective who was the lead investigator on her defense team. Uh, apparently, Miss Anthony has been trying to learn the ropes to become a private investigator herself and has been doing some online social media searches and other investigative work. So we'll have to see that uh, interview when it comes out at the end of November, see what she has to say, if anything. And next, our dumb criminal of the day. Well, an air traveler was roasted by the Transportation Security Administration, your friendly TSA, in a social media post um, after the uh, agents caught somebody trying to conceal a gun inside a raw chicken stashed inside their carry-on luggage. The weapon was flagged by TSA at Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport in Florida, where officers found it wrapped in what looked like a thin paper packaging and was hidden inside a raw chicken. Like, who brings a raw chicken in their carry-on, let alone with a firearm? Anyway, the post by the uh, TSA on their Instagram account, well, it's kind of funny. It uh, has the picture of the uncooked bird being examined in a security screening area with the gun once removed is unwrapped. 
in the caption, uh, they leaned heavily into the Thanksgiving theme and some puns that went along with it, said there's a personal foul here, F-O-W-L, the plot chickens as we barrel our way closer to Thanksgiving. For us, it is a time to be thankful that our officers are always working around the cluck to keep up safe. Take, for instance, this, can you believe it? Find a Fort Lauderdale International Airport. We hate to break it to you, but stuffing a firearm in your holiday bird for travel is just a waste of time. This idea wasn't even half-baked. It was raw, greasy, and obviously unsupervised. The only roast happening here is this poor packing choice. The caption continued, Feather you like it or not, there are rules for traveling with guns and ammunition. People looking to travel with guns and ammunition are required to pack the unloaded weapons in locked hard-sided containers in their checked bags and must declare those items at the airport ticket counter when they arrive. I have to give it to you. We don't know who the individual was who was trying to take that raw chicken in their carry-on luggage that happened to have a firearm on it. But at least the TSA kept their sense of humor about it. I'm assuming they were still charged with possession of a firearm going through security. Somehow I think they knowingly possessed it. Although that would be a good defense. I, how did that gun get into my chicken? I have no idea how that, how it got in there. I have no idea. Anyway, don't do that. That's just dumb. All right. Thanks for watching. Hope you have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk. <laughs>